This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I am your host today. And for this show, I am so honored to introduce two of the original Most Valuable Podcast members of our team, Mr. Mark Weber. Dub them ease. Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Guys, it is a pleasure to have you on, and we have a ton to talk about today, specifically Chicago Bears football, because we're all Bears fans here. Yeah. We're super frustrated, um, and we've been following this team against our real uh, pretty much the entire season, and I can't wait to get into that with you guys. We're going to talk a lot about Jay Cutler. We got some future stuff with John Fox and this personnel squad, so curious to hear your thoughts, especially you, Mark, because I know mm-hmm. on the onside kick, you work with Ricky a lot, you know, and... You're kind of restricted to that that, that guy's Vikings view. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's painful. So <laughs> working with another Bears fan is going to be fun. Also, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball news. Uh, collective bargaining agreement has been agreed upon, and it's it's great, in my opinion. We're going to break that down. We're also going to talk about some off-season stuff regarding the Chicago White Sox, because you two are White Sox fans here. So we got so much on tap. Before we get into our first topic, which is the Chicago Bears, got to plug our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Podcast. Donate whatever you can afford, and we will provide more content for you, and it helps us grow as as a podcast station. As Guys, we are almost at 5,000 subscribers. It's crazy to think about. Like, Mark, your video uh, mm. recently talking about, you know, a year ago we were sitting here at like 400, 500 subs, yeah. and now we're pushing for 5,000. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy to see just how much how much growth there's been. I mean, you basically add a zero um, to the end. So of it. much growth. Yeah, that exactly. zero adds. So much growth. You actually had two zeros. One of them's just in the front. Uh, <laughs> but it's really nice to have just so much more. It's I mean, on our end of it, when we see comments and we see conversations and stuff like that, it's almost taking it for granted of the fact that at one point. I want to say long ago, but I guess it wasn't as long as ago as I wish it was. Uh, there were times where, like, you post a video and one person's like, oh, okay, what's up? This is my opinion. And that, and was, that it. was it. Yeah, there was nothing else. Well, it's just, yeah. it, it, it shows, like, thank you all for listening and following, subscribing, commenting, sharing. You're the best. You're the lifeblood of Most Available Podcast, and we hope to continue to grow and entertain you more. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, I think we're doing a roast of you, Mr. Mark Weber, at 4,000. Supposedly, that's what I've uh, that's what I've heard. So we're excited for that. Keep an eye out. We're very close to that 4,000 mark, but our goal is 5,000. We can't thank you guys enough. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all these media outlets. You know, that's the popular thing nowadays. So again, thank you all for listening, and we're gonna jump right into the Chicago Bears topic because really excited to talk about this. Well, all right. So we found out today that Jay Culler is going to have surgery on his torn labrum in his right shoulder, which will effectively end his season. That will make 16 Chicago Bears players on uh, injured reserve this year. And we still got some games to go. Uh, five. That's a lot of games Horrifyingly. left. Horrifyingly. And you, you think about it, three, uh, two and nine, Matt Barkley the rest of the way. My gosh. I mean, who, who's our backup after Barkley? Like, David uh, Fales is Yeah, back. David Fales. Fales. Nice, nice. Yeah, he's there. I'm excited. And I love the, uh, the YouTube, not YouTube comments necessarily, but like Facebook comments on various things where people are going, oh, yeah, let David Fales play. You know, that guy, he was there and it's. Yikes. He lost his job and was fired by the Bears. Yeah. Then not picked up by anybody. There's a lack of confidence Nobody there. wanted him. At least Matt Barkley, someone said, 
I guess we'll pick him up. Like, there, there's upside with Matt Barkley as a USC quarterback. You know, I, I think there's a trend in you know all of those he, quarterbacks working out just great, right? Two of them right, have guys? done okay. No. Back me up. I think <laughs> them are just fine. I think before the start he had last mm-hmm. week against the Titans, his QBR was like 32, which is unbelievably terrible. I mean, he's coming to not great situations. Although as well. to sure. be fair, in this season, his QBR is 33. Yeah, I, I mean, what was he 20, 28 of 54? Right, but he had a really mm-hmm. impressive fourth quarter. We can break that down a little bit. But we brought up Matt Barkley and David Fails. That's where the state of the Chicago Bears are right now, the quarterback position. And I want to talk about this conversation specifically because what can you do to move forward if you're the Chicago Bears? Obviously, under this regime, you have John Fox and this coaching staff, Ryan Pace, in his second year, going into his third, that really wanted to build this foundation of young players, young playmakers. John Fox has had. A lot of influence on this roster you talk about, especially the defensive side, draft-wise. What are they going to do in terms of their quarterback? Because last year they really didn't have a plan, right? They were just like, yeah, we're going to run with Jake Cutler. And it's not necessarily a bad one because he was owed guaranteed money, and he's still a talented guy. But you didn't draft a guy, right? You don't have anybody behind him. So if something catastrophic happens, like, oh, I don't know, you go 2-9 and and he gets injured twice this season, you're going to rely on Brian Hoyer. And then who else? From Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer, yeah. what what did this what did this team do from here, Dave? I want to start with you. Uh, honestly, I mean the, the the cheap answer is you draft a quarterback because that will solve some problems as far as trying to build this franchise up from the ground up, and that's where we are. We're at the ground. You have to admit, like. You know, they're like, oh, we'll rebuild and we'll add in new guys, but we're going to keep getting younger at the same time. No, no, no. We're at the ground. You got you got to go up from here. The problem is that, look, we've drafted, what, one quarterback in the last five years? I mean, as many quarterbacks as punters. A, insulting. B, really, really poor management by our owners. Uh, I mean, that's just horrendous. Uh, the problem is that this year's quarterback class isn't exactly, you know, shining hope beacon out there. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, there, there's options. Don't get me wrong. I'm not right. discrediting any of these guys, but everybody is saying that, well, it could be better. Well, before I jump over to you, Mark, I want to just build off of what you were saying with this quarterback class, because when do you commit to a quarterback? Do you take the risk of drafting somebody? Every year till you get one. Well, no, no. no. I'm saying like do you, this year specifically yep. in terms of the first round, you're going to have... Not a three. <laughs> a two, right. You're going to have a top four, maybe top three, maybe yeah. even the second pick if you Spons- lose the rest of the game Spons- do you, uh, of the season. Especially you, if you lose to the 49ers this week. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yep. Go 49ers. Uh, <laughs> we're looking at this. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I guess, is getting a lot of positive mm-hmm. uh, grades here, especially with the Cleveland. I've been reading stuff with the Cleveland Browns. They're interested. Do you take a risk with uh, Deshaun Kaiser, Watson, uh, Brad uh, um, Brad Kelly, uh, Brad Kaya, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chad Kelly. Chad, Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly, yeah. not Brad Kelly. But all these also guys. Coming off an but right, when you have these types of quarterbacks, do you risk jumping 2 1 at, say, 2 when you're passing up really high impact players that can be on the field immediately? God, I hope not. I mean, I, I know that the quarterback is the most important position on the field. I know the value of that. But I think this year, seeing Dak Prescott do it in the fourth round, mm-hmm. seeing other quarterbacks in the league, seeing success when they weren't, you know, the first guy overall. I mean, Derek Carr didn't go super late, but uh, he, he's doing fantastic. And yep. I think that kind of gives credence to the, you can throw away, I, I want to say throw away, you can spend a pick every year on a QB in rounds, you know, two through five and have hope for your franchise. You can have that constant stream of, potentially this is your guy because that's in the NFL today you're not getting anywhere without a quarterback you need a franchise quarterback so if you're not spending time looking for one you're actively getting worse and that's Mm -hmm. my belief I feel like Cutler they were just too locked in on him 
And even if you're the happiest man in the world with your quarterback, i.e. the Patriots, they're still looking. They're still always cultivating new talent behind him. And the fact that the Bears weren't is just a failure failure as a franchise. And I think it's important to to make the distinction that the Chicago Bears are constantly revolving offensive coordinators and That's slightly true. head coaches too. Six and eight years, three and eight years. So like the, the the times when they do draft a quarterback, a guy I always think about Nate Enderley, you know, the Mike Marks one, yeah. quarterback. You know, he was like six seven, huge guy. He's gonna take seven step drops, <laughs> you know, and then Mike Martz is gone in like two years. Or maybe it was three. Uh, and it's just like, okay, well, now we just have this guy on the roster that we have nothing to do with. We have no desire for him. A guy like David Fales, drafted by the last regime. The new regime comes in and they go, yeah, we don't really want that guy. So it's just this weird situation where like, yeah, the Chicago Bears, when they have drafted quarterbacks, it hasn't done anything for them. Uh, so they need some sort of consistency. They need some sort of kind of plan and at least – a consistent offensive idea. You know, you mentioned a quarterback like Dak Prescott, and one of the great things for Dak Prescott is the fact that the team itself is yep. just so damn good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't ask for a better situation to walk into. Jared Goff does not have the same situation, number one overall, in uh, Los Angeles now. You know, and I know that some people are saying, oh, he's nothing, it's all about Carson Wentz. It's like, yeah, but the Philadelphia Eagles are a much better team than the L.A. Rams are. Sure, and what? Goff has one start in yeah. his career, so yeah. how are you going to make that distinction? And Carson uh, Wentz has been right the whole time now. Sure, and he's seen some ups and downs. See, fair. I mean, Wentz mm-hmm. started off hot, like like absolute fire. Yeah, but, but like the, yeah, the his Eagles came down to earth, right? Yeah. And that's gonna what you know kind of happens with these rookie quarterbacks in the league, especially you know coming from the situation where Wentz really wasn't supposed to be the starter. I mean, you went into the season with. What three legitimate quarterbacks behind you know in front of them? So with the Bears, they have nobody. So where do they go from now or from here? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, in Barkley we trust. So oh god, uh, we have <laughs> yeah. a situation where we're looking at this Bears team and okay, Jay, Jay Cutler, best quarterback in the history of the franchise, and that's staying statistically because really they haven't had anybody. Right, right? they haven't had any consistency, and we're not going to knock Cutler for yeah he has. His problems, right? He, there's flaws in his game, obviously. But we're not going to knock him because he's not talented. He's, in my opinion, still a top 15 quarterback in this league. And if he goes somewhere else, he's still got life in his game. I'm sure he'll have success if it's given the right situation. But in Chicago, Chicago had their opportunity for the first time, really, since I've been watching this team, to capitalize on a franchise quarterback, and they blew it. They blew it in their first four years of the regime, right? Since they got him in 09, over the 2013 to now, so now you are paying for it, and it's just you. You both touched on it. It's it goes to management, and the way they've kind of hired their personnel, the way they've gone about it. Well, Aaron Cromer, are you kidding me? The guy's out of his mind. Mike Martz, he was having Cutler drop. He's backs, a relic of the past. Seven steps with yeah. a, a, a terrible offensive line. The reason Greg Olson went to Carolina, and they lost. Oh my, you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just so many of these things, and I'm right, letting more players walk this past offseason. Absolutely, as well. I mean, it's just, absolutely. It's just and, and of they're course, sending mixed messages, and yeah. that's I think that's one of the biggest things I see with them is that there's a lot of indecision with the Bears management, and obviously the turnover is a heavy casualty of that, both in the staffing and the players. I mean, like you said, we've gone through how many head coaches, yeah. offensive coordinators. It's ridiculous. I mean, I understand bringing in John Fox where we were, and it made sense, it made sense. on, it on paper because look, John Fox has a record or has a reputation. For now, you know, I can take a average team and I can propel them into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs, 
and I've seen success there doing it. So we turn around, we get him year one, we're all hyped up, and then now year two, and we're watching a bonfire in front of us, and we're just like, yeah, he ain't the guy we need. Yeah, And I think part of it, too, is that you, you say that he is good at bringing the average team forward. Right. And it turned out that the Bears thought they were an average team, and they actually were a bad team. That's so true. So they really didn't have the pieces that John Fox needed to be successful, and... You know, you have to ask the question then. It's like, okay, well, we, do we let him sit around and then we eventually get him those pieces to where he can start to be what we expect out of John Fox? Or do we say, all right, it's time to move on. It's time to do something else. But do we turn on that franchise where we flip? I mean, are we the Cleveland Browns at this point? Right. Do, I, I don't want to admit It's risking it. Yeah, it's, it's risking getting I, to I it. I feel like, um, and getting back to your main point about a quarterback coming in, I feel like you have to have the right head coach there to cultivate and offensive coordinator. I mean, Adam Gase was a freaking godsend. And what he got out of Jay Cutler was magic last year. And we all, that, that that was like, oh, yeah, Cutler's worth the money. Totally. We're all in on him. Adam Gase gone. We see this offense again, like another offensive coordinator. Cutler doesn't care about, like, he, he's not on the same page. So you see issues. You see more flaws in his game. And obviously he's hurt now. But it, it's just the fact that we need to create the right environment to grow a young team. And I'm in the group that thinks that you need to have a head coach who is either offensive-minded or you need an offensive coordinator who is truly one of the best in the game Mm -hmm. in order to get this up and running. So before I change topics here, because you you all brought up really good points regarding the coaching staff, because in my opinion, I think John Fox should be fired after this season. But if you were the Chicago Bears, you were Ryan Pace, right? You have the number two pick. Who are you taking? I'm going back. You're trading? I'm trading back. That's honestly, we need so many things. That I think that you can go back. I know. I think the Titans are the only team with two picks in the first round, um, and there's a chance if the Rams win a couple, like uh, Mark, I know you always joke yeah. about. Um, there's a chance that pick, you know, might fall back to like the ten to thirteen range. We might be able to grab one of those and maybe like an early second or something. I don't know. There, there, there are teams out there. I just feel like we need more pieces than we have picks, and I think that if we trade back, that gives us better options because at the two, what do we look at the two right. through five range? I mean. Yes, there is fantastic talent, but at the same time, we need more than just one so impact you're, you're, player. You're saying that the number two pick is valuable because they could really, what the Bears need is a quarterback, and yeah. you're not going to waste the two on a quarterback that's a stretch. I think that you could get uh, at least two. I, I know two quarterbacks will be there at the end of the first round, yeah. and we'll, we're, what, the second pick of the second round or third pick of the second round, whatever right. it turns out to be. So there's a chance we can snag our quarterback there. So That's the where thing, I would target. What the Chicago Bears is, and they're in a similar situation as they were last year going into the draft, is they just need playmakers. They need guys to get on the field to do things immediately now. Leonard draft Floyd, picks doing things? Right. What? And, well, I, you know, this is Ky- witchcraft. Kyle Long, uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Howard right, right now is like the two that stand out for me. And Kyle Long injured at the moment, too. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, if you look back at our draft classes, the guys who should make up the core of this team from 2012, 2013, 2014, the impact players from those classes don't exist. Uh, Chris Williams, uh, Shane McClellan, Gabe Karimi, all those guys. They're just I mean, that, that should be the backbone of our team right now. Those are the guys who are in the prime uh, of their we, career. Right, and we talk about the value in a first-round draft pick, and the Bears talk— uh, really going into this season and last season were in a position where they just wanted to be relevant again. And they took risks with Kevin White. They pass on Amari Cooper, Ryan Pace. He's on the hook too. He's on the hook too for this. And to, now let's transition to this next topic uh, with head coaching and this, and this whole personnel situation because we can't, we can't give Ryan Pace a break here. Now I know for GM coming into the situation that he was with the Chicago Bears, obviously he was facing... So many challenges because Phil Emery 
just totally blew it. He, he regressed this team even further uh, on top of uh, hiring Mark Tressman. I mean, they're still suffering from Dr. Death over here. So it's like, right now, okay, you can't really put it all on Ryan Pace, but he doesn't get a pass here either because of, you know, obviously the draft picks right now haven't been, especially this last draft, I was really disappointed with the way the production um, has kind of put forth, you know, from this draft class overall. But looking directly at John Fox, and I don't see any progression in year two. Now, given, yes, I understand, there's so many injuries on this squad. Right, but how much does it is is it is uh, John Fox accountable for all of this? Because I think I think he's 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 to blame for a lot of their struggles. Yeah, I think that uh, John Fox really isn't moving the team forward. But I at the same time I find it really difficult to put blame on any of the coaching staff when so many guys are hurt. You know, and in ex- except for of course, you know the people involved with training and involved <laughs> with the health of the team. Uh, yeah, what's going on with that? That's a problem. It's been a problem yeah. for years for the Chicago. It seems Bears. like we have one of the worst training staffs as far as that's concerned. So it's just it's ridiculous in that sense. But yeah, I find it hard to blame those guys because you can't really say you know when Kevin White gets himself injured one year and then gets himself injured in the next four year. games in two years and two on a bad hamstring. Yeah, it's it's kinda it's one of those things where it's like I don't know, should we have seen that coming? Should we have thought that that was a thing? But you really didn't hear that injury is the concern of Kevin White coming into the draft. So that's just one of those unfortunate situations. I mean it reminds me of the Jaguars when any first round pick they take it's hurt. Uh yeah. but it's just one of those times where it's like, okay, I guess I can't really completely blame that. You know, it's that I think has been the big thing that's kind of marred uh, Ryan Pace's drafting, because but, I think if he ha- if those guys were just there and just being you know average production for where they were at, I think people would be ranting and raving about how good he is as a GM for the Chicago Bears. Now he you know, of course makes his uh, his moves. He says, "I am going to go get a guy if I want the guy." I'm going to not make the move that maybe is the obvious pick. I'm going to take a guy like Kevin White, you know, when, you know, did we really need one? We have Alshon Jeffrey, things like and that. And we had Brandon Marshall at the time still. Uh, right. Was it? I think that was, I think we well, got rid just of different conversation. Go. Brandon Marshall was just a problem. I know, but up. it's just, but you know, yeah, when, we, talent have, wise, when right. we have guys at the position mm-hmm. and we're going to go ahead and yeah. do a flashy pick like that. Well, they took I, a Jordan Howard, which turned out to be huge. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't an early pick. No, right. That's that's the thing is we're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, the pick that should be the game changer for the franchise, that Absolutely. first rounder. And that's why actually when it goes to this year's draft, I'm very interested to see what he does. If he does trade back or something. That's a big one. Right now, it's like you go quarterback early on, which I would 100% not blame the Chicago Bears for drafting a quarterback. At number one overall, number two overall, number three overall. You're right. I don't think I could blame him. I just don't Love it, but at the same time, it's like it's, it's just, it needs to be done. You gotta the, do it exactly. It's what you gotta do, and when else are you gonna have the chance of either taking anybody or anybody minus that guy who got drafted right before you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't blame for that, you know. But the problem is that there's so many pass rushers right at the top of the draft, and that is like the only thing the Chicago Bears don't need. I mean, yeah, the pass yeah. rush hasn't been great. But at least on paper, it's the only thing well, that's good. Well, a lot good. of the time that's been plaguing them is injuries. And you look yeah, at them on true. paper, you have a really solid core of linebackers. Leonard Floyd was a, a kind of a stretch pick, but they saw something in him, his athleticism. And it's, and it's starting to, grow, to come out. And yeah. it's starting yeah. to, yes, but then, then he, he almost got paralyzed, yeah. which Jesus. was really scary. Yeah. But it, it seems like he's going to be he's gonna be okay, and hopefully we see him on the field again soon. 
But, you know, we, we look at this core, guys, uh, I, and going back to Ryan Pace, I don't necessarily hate his free agent signings. I, I like the free uh, Pernell McPhee signing. I don't right. really like the way they kind of handled his injury last year. Why was he on the field when his knee was messed up and they were bad? Completely agree. So now he's Trainers. suffering from it still. And then you have Danny Drathen, who's hurt out for the year, hasn't really made much of an impact this year. They were managing, uh, they managed to keep Will Young, who's a game changer. Uh, we're going to see, we're going to say goodbye to Lamar Houston. Eddie Goldman, he's a legit legit player and I think he's a, he's a keystone kind of piece there in that defensive front Yeah, and we could rave about this front seven as much as we want and Akeem Hicks another free agent signing that I really uh, mm-hmm. like to, to see but at, at that number two pick this is all right, this is Ryan Pace's evaluation time guys because the honeymoon's over for him and in his third year you gotta hit on this draft yeah. there's a lot of pressure yeah. right because right now the Bears are supposed to be competitive in year three of John Fox they're supposed to be. No, no, no. It was ideally we should have been Super Bowl this right. past year's Super Bowl right. year. This yeah. year actually yeah. was was kind of maybe not. Okay, I was optimistic. I was I everyone was, like, was optimistic. Was, initially. He goes to the Super Bowl I, I his like, second year. Yeah. That's what he does. I was saying ten six. You know they have a mm. chance for a wild card given the schedule and given like you know the progression. Talent we on saw. paper, absolutely. But then. Yep. Regression and this philosophy, John Fox. It seems like nobody's buying in anymore, guys. And it seems like well. And another thing too that really irks me about John Fox is he gives the media absolutely nothing. And the way he communicates about injuries in his roster, it's like what is going on? We we go back to the Kevin White thing. We talked about his injury history in the offseason. It's like oh yeah, you know we're gonna monitor it. And then all of a sudden he's out for the year and he needs uh, yeah. surgery in his shin. Yeah. What? Uh, uh, Kyle Fuller, another example. Scoping Who, his who's knee. possibly coming mm-hmm. back now. Yeah, they I mean, might bring him on the practice squad off, again. Off the IR, which is, woo, yeah, we're safe. Hang on the practice squad for a little bit. I don't know, it's Mark. Great. I, I, I see your point about not wanting to blame him for mm. what's happened this year because of, you know, asterisk injuries. But at the same time, it's your job to make whatever adjustments you yeah. need to to help the team keep moving forward when and that comes up. It's and, not a, It's not something you're going to necessarily hear much about. Right. But, oh, no, my no God, do I hear that him. team doctors are gone. You know, the, the people that are doing the conditioning for our team, that are doing the health for our team. We have those? I hope those two, guys are gone. Two top players, Freeman, another free agent signing who I like, PD, Elshon Jeffrey, who might be gone after the season, PD. These are two best players on each side of the ball and both suspended for PDs. Who's accountable? It's John Fox. It's, yeah, it's it's it lies within John Fox, who hired the training staff that allowed them to take these these uh, you know prescriptions. My gosh, like what mm-hmm. is what is happening? There's a fundamental problem throughout this entire organization for years, and it starts with ownership. The McCaskies are just they're well, they're they're already notoriously cheap a and, and they're poor owners, yeah. straight up incompetent when it comes to evaluating football minds. You had Ted Phillips still having an impact on where this roster goes. Ted Phillips is an accountant. <laughs> Since the 80s, he has no, and really, yeah. like, it's just been like the people in charge of player personnel, going back to Phil Emery most recently. Jerry Angelo, you know, reigned over the Bears for years, and he, I, I mean, they saw success under Lovey Smith in 2006, and then that was it, really. And you move on to Phil Emery, which was the worst, absolute worst period of Chicago Bears football that I've lived through. My God. It's pretty bad. Two years of the worst defense in the history of football, really, under yeah. uh, Mel Tucker. It's just, there's so much incompetence here. And how, how much do we blame right now on, really, the pass draft? And how much do we look at, really, accountability-wise, in terms of John Fox and Ryan Pace? That's the question, and that's the conversation we're having today. And it sucks, because... Really, as Bears fans, nobody cares anymore, right? They're tuning out. And this has been kind of the philosophy uh, for years. 
they haven't been relevant since oh my gosh it's been three or four years now yeah. i mean 2010 was probably the last time 2010 edison really championship about them yeah, yeah. Tw- 2012 they were in a playoff hunt went 10 and 6 missed it 2013 8 and 8 lost the last game of the year and that was it since then it's been this bears town has been dead That's, yeah. you're absolutely right it's kind of a disgrace but i i you know the thing that i hate about it is that we're at a point where I feel like Bears fans just kind of throw up their hands like, this is what we expect. This is what the Bears are. Just a, a factor of incompetence. Like, I don't know. I, I've talked, uh, many of my Bears friend friends are like, no, no, this is the Bears. It's just what we are now. We're like, just, you know, that notch in, at the bottom of the NFC North because we don't know how to run a franchise. And I'm at the point where if you want to clean house and fire, you know, from Emory, or not Emory, yeah. from, uh, God. Fire Emory again. <laughs> it might help. Yeah. It might help. Just send the message, just publicize Bring it. Bring back and get rid of them again. <laughs> if you want to fire down everybody, that's up to you. Uh, I honestly think that John Fox is the one who has to go. I think our offensive coordinator needs to go. Those are the only two changes I really see as mandatory at this mm-hmm. point. And I want to see them bring in someone who is offensively minded, who can work with young kids. Maybe you take a risk and you go get someone from college. Josh McDaniels, maybe? Josh McDaniels has been floated. Uh, I want to say someone in the Saints organization as well because of his ties there. Uh, there, there. There's definitely a number of candidates who could come in here. And you you talked a little bit about uh, John Fox kind of falling on deaf ears in the locker room. His message isn't getting across anymore. It's just time. It's just it's like it's it's sad because the only reference I've got for when that happened is like Andy Reid in Philadelphia, but he's a phenomenal coach and him leaving was just his message wasn't getting across anymore. Yeah. He's still a great coach. It's just he's what, had success in Kansas City. Oh, he's he's killing it. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL, period. Like I I will fight for that. But it's when you're no longer effective as a head coach, it doesn't matter what your record is, you can't do your job anymore. And John Fox isn't a good in-game coach either. Like he makes yeah. really questionable decisions on the field too. Timeout management, the way he challenges his game plan. It's just you know, yeah. there's, there's uh, Mark. Do you agree? Do you think John I, Fox is gone after this I year? I think that uh, John Fox most likely will be fired. I don't necessarily think it's the correct move, only because I think that. It's kind of a wash at this point. He hasn't had any time to really do anything. Uh, part of it's his fault. Part of it's not his fault. Um, but it's the kind of thing where you can't blame anything. I think you really can't get rid of Ryan Pace because you can't be the team no. that continues to get Correct. recycled GMs uh, in that case. And plus, you know, if you get rid of another GM, you bring in another guy, you're still going to say, okay, but it's actually the guy above him that's doing all the all the problems. I mean, but we can't here. get rid of the McCaskies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, or, well, you could get rid of Phillips, but it's not going to happen. We yeah. all thought it would when Emery was right, gone right. Uh, in Chicago, but it didn't happen. He was very safe. That's um, true. And, you know, so I, I think Ryan Pace is probably one of the better things this Chicago Bears team has had as far as hope for a long time. You know, um, I, I love Vic Fangio. I would love him to stay as our defense coordinator. Yeah. I don't want him to be a head coach, but yeah, I want I him to be where he's at. A good balance. Um, and I, I don't really know, you know, when I look at, unless uh, unless Hugh Jackson gets fired from yeah, Cleveland. That's not going to happen. Um, no, no, no. 0-16 might make it happen. Yeah, that is sort they're, of a, They're committing to Hugh Jackson. I hope so. It's the right thing for them to do. Like, yeah. that's the only guy who I would like, like, immediately, like, yep, boom, there he is. Let's go grab that guy. <laughs> you know, uh... I look at other teams and it's not there's not really a team out there where I'm like, okay, that offensive coordinator, that defensive coordinator, I really think we need to go grab someone like that. You know, uh, I mean, I would love the Tom Coughlin thing that I've hinted at a few times just because 
boy. He's the guy who can who's had that experience who can come in, but the Chicago Bears aren't in that spot where the roster is win now. Right. You know, I think the the ja- obvious Jaguar connection's a lot better in that case because the team is just so much better on paper over there. Um so I'm really not sure what the Chicago right. Bears are going to do. Right. Isn't that isn't that a shame? You just don't yeah. know anymore right now. I mean, I as part of me feels like I, I know we talked about this Ricky and I on the onside kick that I I part of me just feels maybe Jim Schwartz because he's Jimmy done Schwartz? well in Philadelphia right now. Yeah, not amazing, but he's done well enough, and he knows the NFC North. He is a defensive-minded coach. He uh, has attitude issues oh, yeah. with his team and himself, but he brings <laughs> the he brings in maturity level intensity. Question. He brings attitude. He brings a physical nature that the Chicago Bears defense uh, defensive roster is built for. But they aren't getting yeah. it from John Fox and yeah. Big Fangio necessarily. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see. I, I I have like here's the feeling that I have. I think John Fox should be fired, but I don't think he will be. Only because uh, they're going to uh, give him a pass because of the injuries that they had to deal with. Even though it doesn't make any sense to me, you, you have so much going down with uh, the PD stuff and, and accountability issues and everything else. I I think he should be fired, but I don't think he will because of the influence he's had. On this roster, the way mm-hmm. Ryan Pace has been drafting, it's really been the way uh, Fangio and Fox have been working together to construct this defense. So I think he's going to play out the final year of his contract. Then he's done. They constructed defense with a secondary, yeah, which right. is just impressive. Right. Yeah, Devo- yeah. Guys like uh, Craven LeBlanc, uh, Devontae mm-hmm. Bisbee are in the secondary. Well, so it's just so. Oh, with God, only five so games left, I think a big thing is if they. You got to play what happens kids, now. right? If. If uh, if we beat the 49ers, if we can manage to beat the Lions again, or we squeak one against the Packers, and if anything shows that these guys are playing yeah. for John Fox, he's gonna be back. That yeah, could he'll be him. back. Yeah. It'll be a Rex Ryan situation where the players are the reason why he stayed in New York for so long. Uh, that'll be the thing. If we just lose out from here, it's done. Especially because of the fact that these are third and fourth stringers essentially at sure. this point. If they can at least beat somebody, <laughs> yeah, now, maybe. The, dude, I understand it. I just don't want to buy into it. My, my goal, I hinted at it earlier, I want Pete Carmichael Jr., the Saints offensive head coordinator. Ooh. I want him to come in, and I want him to nurture a That's the thing. late first or a early second yeah. round quarterback. I don't, I don't like Dell Loggins pair them together. That. Oh, no. No, Dell Loggins is an idiot. I on on record whatever it takes, <laughs> that man should not be an offensive coordinator. Well, yeah, he it, shouldn't be anywhere near an offense. Right. And he it, has no idea how to keep a balanced right. offense. He doesn't know what assets he even has on his team. It it just blows my mind. The yeah. first year offensive coordinator, we saw him struggle really in the first four weeks of the season. He really didn't know what the hell to do. Right, and you put, he forgets we have a running game half the time. And, and all right, so all right, <laughs> well, we have Matt Barkley. Well, what do you need? Why yeah. would we run the ball when Matt Barkley can throw passes to wide receivers? Some who final can't catch them? Uh, final thoughts on this Bears conversation. We've been talking uh, a lot, and r- rightfully so, because there's so many problems with this Bears team, and it's easy to do so. But we we look at this quarterback situation. That's the main focus right yep. now. And uh, right now we have Matt Barkley and nobody else. David fails. So what do the Bears do from here? Now this is the last conversation we're going to have. Jay Cutler, unfortunately, in my opinion, man, God bless his soul, he's probably going to be done with the Chicago Bears, and unfortunately, the Bears ruined him. Say it ain't so. I, I'm a huge Cutler fan. I'm going to, I'll defend Cutler until I die. I think he's a really good quarterback. I just think he was a victim of circumstance in the Chicago Bears organization because they're incompetent. But he's most likely going to be done after this season. But then, what do you do from here? Like, do you commit to this young quarterback and just go with him, or do you have him develop underneath a guy like Brian Hoyer? 
or do you do you sign a guy like Nick Foles or, or Mike Glennon? Oh. You know oh. what I mean? Or yeah, there's just go for Tony there. Romo, right? You know, well, there's, there's no options. Uh, so you can't have a someone. You can't have someone develop. That's my that's my thought. So you're just gonna go right in with a rookie. You have to. There's just nothing to, to it. There's no. There's nothing to develop him. I mean, even if you get a good coach. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you you start Brian Hoyer. He couldn't really keep the job when Johnny Menzel was on the bench. I say, what what kind of good habits do you want Brian Hoyer to teach your young quarterback? I mean, mm-hmm. if we had Josh, oh man, if Josh we had McCown. Josh back, see that I would be okay with. Just because, why not? Why not? Um, well, he's a gym teacher, so he can teach quite a few things. Well, yeah, he was a high school he's a savvy uh, football coach before yeah. breaking he in half. The Bears. It was unbelievable. But yeah, all right. No, I'm all for the. If we're gonna go young, we go young at both. You know, we get that head coach, we get that quarterback, we pair them together. If we stick with John Fox, I think we have to make a move. And I know everybody's been talking about, it, but Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep, you have to try. And it makes sense if you go for Josh McDaniels, mm. but hey, yeah. that's thinking way outside the box. True. And, and There's the actually Bears. a lot of quarterbacks that are potentially available that have ties to the Chicagoland area, whether it's Jimmy, whether it is uh, the Tony Romo, Tony ones. Romo, yep. Kirk Cousins, born in Kirk the Cousins. suburbs. I'm glad you uh, brought him up. What do you think? He's on a franchise contract. He's going to he's gonna want a well, lot of money. The Redskins claim that if they can't get a deal done, they're just going to franchise him again. Yeah. yeah. So, I it mean, seems I guess like they're gonna lock it down, not going to happen. At the same time, like, I don't... He's one of those guys who it, he looks like an average quarterback for the majority of the time, and then randomly he just looks like he just has it. Right. Like he's got yeah. it, and he knows it, and he whips mm-hmm. the ball around with absolute precision, and just he's fantastic. The, I, the, the thing I question is why doesn't he have it more often? Is it, is it the play call in there? He seems to be kind of kind of like day and night sometimes. Sure. Yeah. And we saw him take blame for a lot of the losses earlier in the season, mm-hmm. split in the locker room, whatever. But all right, guys, well, really good conversation with the Chicago Bears. I'm glad we were able to have this uh, together as Bears Therapy fans. session. Show, yep. show our frustrations with all of you. Um, it's 2 and 14. Let's root for 2 and 14. Matt Markley, got to give him credit, though. Last week he stayed in the pocket, took some big hits, drove the team downfield, down 20, almost won the game. Thank you, Josh Bellamy and uh, Deontay Thompson. You wonder if they were told to drop those balls. Well, <laughs> you mean, got people. They could hear the fans out there. There was yeah. that few people right. in the stands, so they're saying, "Hey, drop it!" Hey, good job. Yeah, good drop job. the ball. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Go Bears. Oh no, bad. All right, let's move on to our uh, next topic. Not our final topic. We have a couple more. Uh, the the collective bargaining agreement has been agreed upon. Finally, it's been solved. Well, tentatively, but it, it looks like to be done. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, and, and Major League Baseball was after five years or so, it's around every five years, that they have to renegotiate uh, between the owners and the Players Association. And this year, there's been some changes and some notable ones, especially within uh, the All-Star Game and the disabled list and some uh, uh, free agent compensation. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. I was really excited this morning, so I was like, all right, we have to talk about this on the show. Absolutely. Um, First of all, guys, I want to get your reactions on the All-Star Game not meaning anything anymore. uh, No more home field advantage for the winner. Mark, what do you think? Well, uh, if you've listened to me on various podcasts, you know I don't like any All-Star Game ever. I think (laughs) All-Star Games are the most pointless thing out there. They're fun when you're a kid and, like, it's got all the stars because really that's probably all you know. Uh the All-Star Games are always pointless. They really aren't – people don't want really to play that hard. Um, I just like skill competitions. You know, so for me it's like, yeah, all right, pure we got entertainment a, value. Yeah, exactly. Just give me the 110% entertainment. Give me the home run derby, and that's really all I care about when it comes to it. Maybe I'll be interested to see who can throw a fastball the, the uh, I fastest. I mean, Raldis Chapman kind of wins that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of – we can already know that by it's just like looking at the stats. Uh, I'm with you, though. Like, it's – 
I don't know. I think the All-Star game in baseball went ahead value of being that uh, deciding factor. It's hard to tell guys on like the Twins, the Royals, those. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Royals have been better, but like, the, the bottom level teams in the league that you decide who gets the advantage in the World Series, yeah. that's kind of outrageous. Right. But I mean, it was kind of nice trying to watch people try their hardest playing, you know, balls to the walls. And the, I mean, it's best against best. You're watching like some of them were extremely close games. The one that ended in a tie, I just I don't even want to acknowledge. That was what was that 2003, 2004, 2003? Is it baseball? When they ran out of players, yeah, yeah, seven, seven. Yeah, no, and that's a really good point, uh, Dave, that you brought up is the quality of play. Yeah, it's there, but everybody is represented from uh, one player has to be represented from every team in Major League Baseball. So that doesn't make the game credible if it means something so much. Now, for the Cubs' sake, I think they don't win the World Series if this rule was implemented because. Obviously, they benefited from the DH there in Game Seven, and obviously, in hindsight, you could say, "Oh, the series would have went a different way." That's the way. anti-Schwarber rule, right? If the if the that's Cubs what we should refer home, to it as, yeah. It was. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. uh, we could reminisce about the Cubs World Series <laughs> when all we want. But going back to this World Series conversation uh, in regards to the All Star Game, managers didn't manage the All Star Game as if it meant something. They managed it traditionally how all-star games are you have representatives play specific amount of innings and then you get the bench players in and you just keep rotating guys in until they run out and then they tie you know, yeah and, and then tie so really it didn't make sense for a team with the best record in baseball to not have home field advantage in the most important series of really their entire lives right and then you move on looking at the all-star game and you have guys from the twins like you said with 50, uh, 60 wins on the year Having players representing a game that means nothing to them, but something to the their respective leagues. So it just didn't make sense to me from the beginning why I get it. But see, like, was like, yeah, oh, we want people to be entertained by this All-Star game. We want it to mean something. This time it counts. I mean, they saw they saw what happened to the Pro Bowl and the NBA one. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's there as a showcase for our, you know, our players, but you can't have guys going out there and like lobbing like 60 mile an hour, you know, fastballs. I mean, we cause. saw in the NBA, they almost scored 200 points right, this right. year. Like it, one team it gets out of cra- it gets out of hand very easily. I mean, what are we going to do? Aluminum bats in the uh, All-Star game? They kill wiffle ball. say wiffle ball. That'd be fun. I mean, you I you jokingly before the podcast started mentioned the uh the celebrity softball game. Yeah. And like that, there's something fun. that at least is fun. Like yep. it's it's interesting. I mean, one of the few times people care about golf is that big celebrity golf tournament. That's true. I mean, and that's all this seems to become for them. It's it's a giant marketing weekend for yeah. the oh, MLB. Yeah. So for, why not? Yeah, any. Why not just go all out and like include you know somehow Make include camps, more you know yeah. like pick for the kids. I, I pick teams, do something, include mm-hmm. more people, include outside groups, get more conversation around it. All Star Weekend should be this whole huge thing. They should set up like a mini town there or something. Like go all out. That, that's what I'm saying. If you're We're, gonna do it, do it right. Don't make it something impactful because you're going to ruin somebody's chance. Like you said, you, right. you ruin your chances of, you know, a team. It's just, it, it's not right. So final thoughts here on the, uh, regarding the All-Star game. Baseball built on tradition and it's very conservative yes. in the way that they, they preserve their rules. And within the All-Star game for them, it's showcasing their top-level talent. And we saw, and it's great for the game, and you get the fans involved with a fan vote, and I know there's some flaws there because hmm. <laughs> you scuff because um, Brent Dober started at second, and you kind of made an argument that uh, David Murphy or Daniel Murphy could have been there, and then you have Addison Russell at short, and it's like, okay, but Corey Seager, where you at? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it, there, there are some complications there, but it, it showcases uh, young talent, the best players against the best players. Obviously, that's something good for the game, but... 
as uh, th- this new collective bargaining bargaining agreement is put into place here, we look at some substantial changes regarding the disabled list. They changed it from 15 days to 10. And for me, my immediate reaction was like, awesome. Because we saw it last year. You know, 15 days, you have to make a commitment for a player to be out for a certain amount of time. Now, yep. that's that's that hurts a team, obviously, because they have to make a decision. Are they going to fill that roster spot with somebody called uh, called up from AAA? Now, say for a guy like Jason Hayward, for example, he made that insane diving catch up against the wall in San Francisco, hurt his shoulder, but it wasn't. He didn't hurt himself enough to the point where he had to be put on the 15 day DL. So he was considered day to day, and they, the Cubs were forced to be played uh, undermanned for I don't know four or five games. With the, with the incorporation of the DL of only 10 games now, you can avoid that situation. Also, it's kind of interesting the way teams kind of attack this uh, specifically. I don't know. I'm curious to to hear your thoughts on the change from 15 to 10. So I I, I hate to to be this guy again, uh, but <laughs> IR DL it's kind of dumb, right? Like, why do you have to make this weird decision of all right, we have this much time where this player has to be out? Is it worth putting him on there, or do I want him to just sit on my roster where maybe I can play him at some point sooner and it might be risky for his health? Right. But if I do it a certain other time, then he's out for too long. You know, it just for the the sake of the team, for the sake of entertainment, for the sake of the health of the actual player, why does it have to be this? It has to be 10 days. It has to be 15 days. It has to be seven games. It has to be the whole season. Like, just let the person be out for the time they need to be out, and you can have someone in their spot. And then once they're ready to go, that person is off your roster or back to you know well, then to your developmental. It, it team. just gets manipulated, which I think it, I don't really think it's that big of an issue though. I mean, if if it's like someone who is a lower level talent, it's not making that big of a difference. If it's someone who's a top level talent, you want that guy back on the field as soon as possible. Yeah. You want him back in your roster. So like, sure, you can you can play around with it and stuff like that, but. I just don't see why you have to make it this extra thing of like, all right, there's this many games. Does he fit this perfectly? No. Okay, well, then we got to look at what else we can do. You know, and it's just, I don't know. To me, it's an extra thing that's not really needed. Just let the best players play when they're ready. I sort of want to agree with you on this. It's too simple to be like good, but at the same time, like there's there's really not a huge problem. I think I'm adding a minimum days out would probably be the only change I'd make to that, Mark. Like Mm -hmm. if you can't play for three days like make it something small so it's like all right we can't flip flop people up and down like depending on the game but like you have to be hurt for at least three games that's fine like three days whatever i'm fine with a three-day minimum and then it's from there on it's totally flexible based on the player's health i'm with you on that i think simplicity's sake and it's a win for every party involved yeah yeah and you know and it's i think the thing too is if you're if a worry is flipping guys from your, you know, your your farm teams up and down and stuff like that. You're going to play the matchups. Yeah, like you're going for playing the match, but you, you mess around with your roster so much, that's not going to really work in your benefit. See, baseball is all about, like, continuity. When yeah. you get rolling, you get rolling. You don't change anything. You wear those same you socks. Yeah, you, you wear those boxers. Anything. You know, you do the same routine. So, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of abuse coming, but I think that just adding in a minimum would be great and then call it, man. That's... You should uh, toss in that suggestion to the CBA next time around. Right, <laughs> we'll I be should. here in a couple of years. That's an interesting perspective. I actually wasn't thinking about that because I feel like having structure within um, injuries is very important to the game because it just continues. Obviously, mm. the kind of, you know, I don't know. 
But uh, I want to move on, though, to the final kind of change that I want to bring up. I, there was a uh, conversation about an international draft. It didn't happen. Um, but really something that was a major difference that restricted free agents uh, over the last five years, the recent uh, agreement, regarded quali- qualifying offer and what uh, teams would have to give up if they did sign a top-level free agent. So really what happens now is if a team, uh, say a player declines a qualifying offer, like last year Dexter Fowler, had, or I'm sorry, this year had a qualifying offer, declined it, and that would cost a team, if it's not protected, remember, first 10 draft picks are protected. Anybody outside the top 10 lose that draft pick if they decide to sign a top-level free agent. That's done. That They don't lose any uh, that value anymore, and that that helps small market teams who rely specifically on, on obviously, young talent. Now, you look at uh, another aspect, too. They increase the luxury uh, threshold. Now, remember, Major League Baseball doesn't have a cap. They have a luxury tax. So if you're above it, like the Dodgers, you're going to have to pay. So right now, you're looking at uh, a change specifically. I have it right here. It, it, gets, it gets complicated. So a player declines a qualifying offer, and he becomes a free agent. And he, he, signs a, he goes on to sign a team, and... Uh, as a result, instead of losing a first-round pick, they lose, if they're above the th- uh, luxury tax, they lose a second and a fifth. So, I mean, they're not losing a first-round pick, but still, you're losing draft picks. If they're below it, you lose a third. So there's still some discrepancies there, and we, I just wanted to bring that to um, the intention because that's that's something that'll change the dynamic of free agency, like, immediately. Yeah. You're going to have... High-level free agents not restricted, and teams too not restricted by this uh, compensation, and that hurt guys like Dexter Fowler specifically last year. I use him as an example because it's the easiest one. He had he could have obviously made 50, 60 mil last year, and he was only offered what thirty yeah. by the Orioles, and then that helped the Cubs win a World Series because he ended up staying there. So interesting, interesting stuff here. The collective bargaining agreement, and that in and of itself, now that they came together on a deal. The offseason can progress, and we are going to progress into our next conversation, and that is your favorite baseball team, both of yours, Chicago White Sox. Guys, stay the Chicago White Sox. Let's talk about it. Are they going to trade everybody or what? What's going to happen? I mean, happen? it's not pretty. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you in the camp of burn it all down? You know, it, it's tough because I think, honestly, here's my problem with the Chicago White Sox is I don't think the Chicago White Sox know what they want to do. That's fair. I, I think, and it's kind of been proven uh, last year where they were like, yeah, we're not really going to start the rebuild, but we're not really going to sign a bunch of free agents I mean, either. The hope of Chris Sale carrying a bunch of questionable, past their prime, possibly players. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. We don't really, you're right, the direction of the team is kind of lacking. Yeah. And I feel like we're almost like hurting Chris Sale just by keeping him here. Yeah. And I know he's the guy who everybody is talking about. Is he going to get traded? Is he going to get dealt? Fuck the Cubs. He's not going there. <laughs> but wait, no, maybe we'll trade him to the Cubs. Change their minds. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. That's interesting. And with the White Sox, you know, their philosophy over the last few seasons has been, okay, we have top-of-the-level rotation people who yeah. can carry us through a playoff run if we get there. We just have to get there. So let's construct a team of makeshift free agents and, and uh, trade acquisitions. It and makes we'll, it interesting to we'll watch. See. And it makes it interesting. It gives fans a legitimate reason to watch uh, starting in December, really, in January with the winter meetings. It's like, oh, we're interested in the Chicago White Sox because, what, they're the bottom six uh, team in terms of attendance? Oh, yeah, we're awful. We're, so, we're notoriously awful. Yeah, nobody cares. So it's like you have to make an effort to put mm-hmm. a solid product on the field, but then that the half-in, half-out kind of philosophy is putting you in a hole, and we see that now. So you have guys like Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, uh, Carlos Rodon, and then you're stuck with James Shields, 
which was, now we say, it's an ill-advised trade that they made in the midseason. Then you have guys like Todd Frazier and Jose Abreu, who might be expendable. And you have Melky Cabrera in left field, who may be expendable. So final who's year a of his staple contract. on this team? Is, is right. it, do you Tim have Anderson? A, like Tim Anderson, Eaton, I think. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just the thing is, you know, I, I don't think this should... I mean, I don't want to say that they're not going to be able to take advantage of Chris Sale. No, they're going to. Um, but I, I think they kind of have to move him because this team, yes, the farm system is getting better for Chicago, the Chicago White Sox. Um, it's still not great. No, no, we're it's, still it's, not in the top 10 of farms. It and, is developing and getting better, but it's like, it's not... It needs more. You need I think more part of the salt is the fact that we're in the same city as the Cubs, who we watched rebuild. I know. Yeah. I, I start the rebuild at you know the era of the new GM when they started being like, hey, three years, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Thank you. And that and that was it. Mm-hmm. And they went and they have one of the best farm systems in the MLB. They have one of the youngest, most talented rosters. They made smart moves. We're, we're seeing those success right across the city, and we're over here watching. Average, mediocre, getting worse, and you know what do we got to do for it? I yeah. mean, I think that 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 should add some pressure on the White Sox to build up their farms. I know they're, they're you, you said they're progressing, but we've got very valuable players right now who, yeah. who, who can change the game for teams and help them win a playoff series, and we can go get young talent for it. Sure, I often compare the White Sox situation to what the Yankees did at the deadline. This past season, what they did with their two quality oh, arms, man. they nailed it. They totally yeah. rebuilt, mm-hmm. rebuilt their farm system, and they have players, young players, impact players that they can put into their lineup immediately. And they're having, obviously, uh, a say in where this Yankees team is going to go. And if you're the White Sox, do you do the same kind of thing where you say, okay, we're going to shop Chris Sale, give me what you got as much as you can, because let me tell you, this this guy is worth an Alex Bregman, worth a Yon Mankota, uh, worth uh, Andrew Benatendi if they do decide to move him, which I think they will, and I think they're going to get a haul. It's just how are they going to play this market? Because this market knows that Chris Sale is the top commodity. Obviously, cop, uh, cost control for the next I'd three say, seasons. One the, of the, the best contract pitchers. is just mm-hmm. fantastic, absolutely, too. and that just increases the value. So you're the White Sox, you got to capitalize, and it sucks because <laughs> you're the White Sox. You have this once in a lifetime kind of pitcher on your team, yeah. And the state of their franchise, you have to be able to. To, to rebuild in a sense that it can happen in one or two seasons if you make the right decisions this offseason. So it's going to be huge. And I think if you maneuver it the right way, because you have position players that you can move, say like a Todd Frazier, and it looks like Brett Laurie might not even come back. They might decide to non-tender him. So there are these different situations for the White Sox they're dealing with, but you got to capitalize right now. Do you, guys, would you want to see them trade both Sale and Quintana or just one? Ah, uh, that, because is, that is yeah. tough. I asked that question because you look past, well, unless they get a mm-hmm. guy in return immediately that can fill a rotation, I who's going to fill the rotation yeah, for next I, season? I, I trust Quintana as our one, even though he's not a true one in he's my John mind Lester. still. I mean, he, Honestly. He's good, though, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. He, he's been continually good. good, and it's it's a shame of we can't score runs for him since forever, I, I think since he started here. Um, and then you, you mentioned the problem is we have Rodon, and then we fall off a cliff. Yeah. There's a rotation. Yeah, yeah so, James Fields. At, at one point, A, we're going to get rid of Sale, yes, and we'll go get young talent. On the other end, we still need to go go out and pay some money for somebody. Somebody needs to finish out this rotation. So, I, I don't the free know. agent class is bleh. Exactly. You need to invest well, in Jason Hamill, you know? I think a big a big thing for for the White Sox to, to think about, which kind of goes in the face of the, yeah, let's sell it all and let's restart, is the fact that, 
the AL Central's not that strong. No. It's well, I not think, that I think, strong. I think and the Indians not, are going to run the table for years. Probably, but that's the unfortunate thing, too, is uh, the Cleveland Indians aren't even... I mean, yeah, they did, they did just go to the World Series. But like, it's not like they are untouchable. No, they shut down teams at the right time. Exactly. So the for the Chicago White Sox, it's like, man, if you were just a little bit better, you could take this division. Mm-hmm. You could do it. But if you sell, but we've been you're missing out. For how long? It's true, but you you are missing out on this key time where it's really just Chris get, Sale's value will never go. Get a little bit than better than right Cleveland, now. right? All you gotta do is get a little bit better than Cleveland. But I don't think which is easier they to do. Can do is that. Quite, that that's what I, I guess. My question. I know I'm not uh, the man over here, but my question is: Is it easier to get better than Cleveland, or is it easier to just wash your hands and go fresh and say, hey? Four years from now, we're going to compete for a championship. Now let me let me counter that with this question: <laughs> Who would you buy? But that's uh, uh, yeah. as, as a jersey. Mm-hmm. Who would you Who would you buy right now? And let me ask you this: Who is Who excites you on the White Sox? It's young players. It's Adam Eaton. It's Tim Anderson. It's Tyler Saladino. It's those guys. Yeah. And I feel like if you're the Chicago White Sox, you just you just say forget it, right? I don't care if fans don't show up. They don't show up anyway I when it comes it to August matter. and yeah. September. you got to get a product that they can say, okay, we believe in this, we're going to commit to it, and we have a sense of direction. Because similar to the Chicago Bulls, half-in, half-out philosophy doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily, yeah, you're going to be mediocre or even Same relevant. Same ownership. <laughs> right. And that's that goes to ownership. We talk about the Chicago Bears ownership. You know, it's, it's like ah, God. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at the Chicago well, White Sox on yeah. the business side. You know, the the meetings have been had for the Chicago White Sox of, hey, we have lost the next five years of Chicago baseball fans. We are not winning this battle. We know it's going to be empty. We know everybody's going to be at Wrigley. Maybe this is the time where we can suck. They can quietly suck. And yeah. you know what else? You can suck and have a purpose. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Because yeah. as long as you have quality players on the field, especially if they're young players, there's oh, I know. a reason to be optimistic. But right now, when you have guys like Todd Frazier, Melky Cabrera, literally uh, your, your roster, and it just doesn't make sense. You had two old catchers filling the position all season long until Adrian Nieto kind of emerged, and then you have uh, you draft a guy in Zach Collins. That's somebody to be excited about. Zach Birdie as well, yep. a power pitcher. And Carson Fulmer, we saw maybe he was rushed a little bit to the big leagues. No young arm. You can, Matt Davidson, guys, what, bad right now. He does not look good. <laughs> he does not look good. But you didn't really give up much to get him, so I mean... Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna, I think jury's still out on that. But right. you're right. I, there is there. There's hope for the future. But I, I think you're right. It's you need to get rid of the veterans who right. are kind of holding you down. See what you got in the farm system, and go out and get more for that farm system. Yeah, yeah. You, you have guys like Jacob May in the system. Lots of speed, lots of contact, high rate prospect there in Chicago. They're they're optimistic about him. And right now, like I said, like just like the Yankees, they can rebuild. Boom. In a year or two. That's the power of what Chris Sale can bring in value. You are you kidding me? If you because I look at the Astros guys right now and I just have some sort of funny feeling. I mean, they just match up so well, especially the way they've been so yeah. aggressive this offseason already to this point. If the Astros go out and make a move for Chris Sale, boom. They could be the favorites in that AL West, and all of a sudden, scary, yeah. you get a you get a guy like Alex Bregman. It's a total game changer. He's your third baseman of the future. And you have Bregman, Anderson, and then Saladino at second, and then you still have a Brayu at first. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that looks pretty solid. You know what I mean? Your left side of the infield's young. You have a ton of a ton of power there, and if Abreu can correct himself back to uh, and I'll tell you form, what, yeah, Jose Abreu 
awful start to the season. His family came over, and then all of a sudden he picked it back up. If yeah. you look at his final stat line, you don't realize, wow, he actually had a pretty solid season, but you did totally memory. discounts yeah. the mm-hmm. first three months of the year. So, I mean, overall, I mean, you still have pieces, like I said. So it's you can rebuild. You can rebuild in a year or two. It doesn't take, like, Chicago Bears' sake, obviously different sports. The yeah. Bears are going to take Thankfully, forever. Thankfully, there's only nine guys in the yeah. field. Right. right. And with the, with the White Sox right now, with the value they can get from sale, they can, they can make it happen. Even guys with Robertson, they can make it happen. So, very excited. And I'm so happy that the CBA was uh, tentatively agreed upon because I'm looking forward to what— they're the main story of this offseason. They're going to be the main focus throughout uh, because of the uh, less— uh, what is it? The value that it, th- there's none, right? The <laughs> pitching market, pretty much none. So Chris yeah, Sale's surprise. Yep. Socks are in the driver's seat. We'll see what they do, guys. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah. I really, I really appreciate you both coming on. Uh, this has been. Thanks for letting us have come on here and speak, man. Oh, I, it's a pleasure. I swear. Like, and I, I love that everything was just kind of started from watching the Chicago Bears, and then like, it was all just, right, it was this just a chain of discussion needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know what, guys? It's the first time that we've been together as a group. Me, you, uh, I say you, Dave and Mark, together <laughs> mm. on Behind the Pen. Uh, you guys have been here since the beginning, and to see where Most Valuable Podcast has grown to, it's honestly something to be proud of. And, you know, we're not done yet, and we have a lot to look forward to, especially in terms of uh, content and who uh, the amount of followers that we get. So continue to share, like, you know, comment, subscribe. YouTube channel is Most Valuable Podcast. Listen to all of our full-length bo- uh, podcasts on blogtalkradio.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. We're on Facebook, Twitter, all those social media sites. Just look us up. We're there for you. I'm at Rankin906. He's at Dave Don't Tweet. He, 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 he don't tweet. And then <laughs> Mark Weber, the Mark Weber. Tell right. me, sir. Tell me. Absolutely. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Uh, we talk a lot of bears. Hopefully good news coming up, you know. <laughs> We got to talk bulls, Dave. I'm going to have you on. Oh, We're going to talk bulls. We can talk bulls for days. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, like I said, Mark, always always fun to work with you. But this, I'm, I'm for Dave and Mark. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm going to end this show now. I, I thank you all for listening. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.